us a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, my background's in stand-up comedy. I started doing that right out of college. Like, I did a stand-up comedy class, and I did the open mic as the final exam. So I started kicking with that for a while. Then somewhere in between there, I started rapping. I uh, put out an album for what it was worth in the MySpace days. And I kind of went away from comedy, went back to stand-up comedy. Then I started doing improv. And then from improv, I started doing acting. From acting, I got into writing. And now from writing, I'm getting into directing. And uh, not, I wouldn't say cinematography because I'm never going to be a cinematographer. But, you know, just writing and making my own movies. That's where I'm headed now. Which of those do you feel was the most rewarding? Rewarding. Uh, the most personally rewarding is stand-up comedy. Like, that's something I'll always do. Like, it just makes me feel good. Like, if you got something on your chest, you know, some people can't say what they want to say. Like, I can do that in stand-up comedy. I can go up there and say whatever I want. And if the audience likes it, they like it. If not, but at least I said it, and it's, gone, and it's done. Personally rewarding, the fact that I actually went through with it was doing the music, was doing the hip-hop stuff, because it was like something I wanted to do when I was a kid. And it just doesn't seem realistic when you're a kid. You're like, I'm not going to be able to do that. But I got fortunate enough to link up with some people and was able to put music out for what it's worth. Now I hope nobody ever hears it currently, but <laughs> I'm glad I got it to get out. Yeah. Uh, between acting and writing, which is the more difficult of the two? Acting is definitely more difficult. It's easy to act in something I've written, but like... You're taking somebody else's words, and then you're like, okay, how, how do I think they want me to interpret this? And then you got to do it. Or you have to say, um, how do I think this is going to help me book it? So let me do it that way. You have to figure out which one of those things is more important to you at that moment, depending on what you're doing. Then you say you book something, and then it's like you get there, and then the director has uh, his view of how, how he wants it to look. So the director is like, okay, all that stuff you did was great, but this is what we're going to do today. It's like, okay, <laughs> so I got to change it again. So acting is definitely a lot harder than writing. Writing is, you know, it's what's on your mind. You put it to paper, you know, if you're lucky, you get somebody to edit it, check it. And if not, then it's just, it's there and you've written it and you can decide what to do with it. But acting is like, there's all these other people people's opinions on uh, what is right, what is wrong, what they want to see, what they want to change, going into what you personally want to do. Acting in Florida, is it kind of a, uh, it's, is it the way to go, or should people start to make that move to out of state if they want to become successful? I would, if you can find, anywhere you can find to train for maybe like a year or two, at least train, just train, like get good at it. I would say, you know, stay there. Like if you're in Iowa and you found this great class, you happen to find this great class, stay in that class for like a year or two. And then when you feel like you're really, really good, then leave. And leaving doesn't mean LA. Leaving can mean New York. It can mean uh, Atlanta is like, you know, crazy right now. It can mean Louisiana. So, you know, I wouldn't say Florida is the place. I wouldn't tell people, someone from, uh, Alabama, I wouldn't say you'll move to Florida to act. No, I wouldn't do that. But if you're in Florida and you can find a good place to train, then go for it. Only if you're under 24. <laughs> if you're only if you're under 24. If you're like 27 or whatever, you just, yeah. <laughs> Is it just harder for 
older people to... to no, I just, it's just you have less... When you're younger, you have less to risk. So if you're 19, like, what are you, what are you risking if you move, you know, and start somewhere? You're not really risking anything. But if you've, you know, you're in the middle of, like, getting your career or your other career, whatever that may be, then you have some stuff to risk. So, you know, it got to be a lot more calculated. But if you're fresh out of high school, 18, and somebody's like, what should I do? You know, go wherever you want to go. But if you're older, a little older, or you have some things going on, maybe make a calculated decision. Yeah. As far as uh, comedy is concerned and stand-up comedy, where is the line that gets drawn in how offensive someone should be? Should be. I don't think there's a line. I mean, there's a line for me. It's a personal line. There's a line for me, like, oh, I hear something. I'm like, all right, that's too far. And, but I wouldn't tell that person, yo, you shouldn't say that. Like, I just don't like it. I just, don't, I just didn't like it. So um, I don't know if there's a line. I, don't, I, don't, I mean, I honestly don't know. I've heard great, great 9-11 jokes. I personally wouldn't write a 9-11 joke. I don't have, you know, I don't have Holocaust jokes. And, yeah, I, you know, but I do have slavery jokes. Um, so there's no line for one person. But, you know, whatever you do, there are repercussions. So whatever jokes you tell, especially now it's on tape, there's repercussions to it. You just got to deal with it. Um, I, would, I would advise comics. It's, it's a lot of things that happens in open mics is comics uh, emulate somebody. Like, oh, this person's edgy. This person's I really like, and they like that style. That's fine. You know, you, you do have to develop a style. But then they come out and they're like, I'm going to be edgy. No, that's not how it works. Like, you happen to be edgy. You know what I mean? You, you don't, you're not edgy on purpose. You fall into edgy. Like, you, you know, I don't know. They, so some people come out and they're like, let me just write the edgiest jokes. And then they end up crossing all these lines. And it's like, yo, it wasn't even funny. You were just trying to be, you were trying to be offensive. And that's not funny. Has social media and outrage culture made it harder for comics? Um, no, I don't think so. I don't even know if there's an outrage culture. I don't know if there's an outrage culture, especially because of social media. There was always an outrage culture. There was always what you were supposed to do, especially in comedy. You know, the biggest comedians that make the goal of most comedians was to make it to television. So look who made it to television: Seinfeld, uh, Bill Cosby made it to television. You know, um, they had a certain thing, and this is what we accept on television at the time. Now you have HBOs and Showtimes and. All these other things where other, you know, people, Mark Marion is really popular now, you know. When he was coming up, his style of comedy wasn't what they deemed acceptable. Like, Louis C.K.'s style wasn't deemed acceptable. Chris Rock didn't do well on television because he's Chris Rock. So, I don't know if outrage culture, if that's what it, the guy, you know. There's always been that. There's always been that thing. Social media has done nothing but help comics, in my opinion. I mean, you, now you can, you can come in with a following instead of like begging club owners to say, please, 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 let me show you my video. Let me show you my little, my little electronic press kit, my little PowerPoint, you know, let me try to get a manager. Now you just come in and be like, listen, I got 25,000 followers. You know, I put, I throw this thing up on, on YouTube. Everyone's gonna wanna come to your club. I'll pub the club and you can get it. You know, you might be able to get in, not headlining necessarily, but you might be able to get some bookings, random clubs around the place. So I think social media is helping. And you know, as a comic, you can't really care about what, listen, I'm gonna do my jokes. Like, if you don't like it, then just, you don't have to 
come to the show. <laughs> you don't have to come to the show. Or you can unsubscribe to my YouTube page. You know, you can go and rail against me somewhere on social media, but okay. I still got paid for that night. <laughs> so it doesn't matter. Uh, what's been one of your favorite experiences doing stand-up? Uh, my favorite experience is doing stand-up. Uh, I did this, um, this, this show called The War on Comedy. And this guy uh, put it on, and he was a local guy from uh, St. Pete. And um, he just got, like, we were friends, and he got, like, three of us, and we were, like, really good comics. He's like, dude, we're going to Chicago. Hey, man, we're going to Chicago, okay? So, guys, get ready. We're going to go to Chicago. We went to Chicago. And it was just a <laughs> – it wasn't a great experience, but it was just, like, my first thing being on the road, really. And um, this places we went to were great. And we got to do Chicago, you know, it was on our own dime, but it was just like traveling with the other comics and like seeing people like, like doing those shows in different places and seeing people get offended and then someone else saving the show or someone bombing. And it was just a great experience. And I love Chicago as a city. So that's probably my favorite experience, even though it wasn't like the biggest thing that ever happened. Uh, if you got to tour professionally for doing stand-up, what are some of the cities you'd like to perform in? Whoever pays the most. <laughs> New York, I mean, I mean, you always want to be in New York or L.A. just so somebody might see you, you know. D.C., I would love to do D.C. Uh, I'd love to do Chicago again. Um, you know, uh, Houston would be great to pop into Houston. Vegas, I've always wondered what Vegas would be like. I don't know what their comedy scene is like, but I feel like everyone's just covered in glitter. But Vegas would be a dope spot to do stand-up comedy. L.A., of course. San Francisco, I'd like to do that. There's a bunch of cities. It's not really about the place. It's like, yo, you just want to do your thing. You, you're more worried about the, you, as you're not worried about the audience, you're also worried about the audience. You just want, you want to be in front of your audience or an audience that gets you so that you can, you know, make you, you feel good about what you're saying. Yeah. Have you ever been in front of one of those audiences that just didn't get it? Oh, yeah, man. I've been booed. Incessantly. Yeah. Is it <laughs> a geographical thing or is it just a... Like uh, the, the wrong time of night or the wrong it, it, it's listen I'm not gonna be one of those comedians that's like yo the audience wasn't right you know part of it was me part of it was me you know another part was the audience and who you're dealing with and you know sometimes it depends on where you go uh, there's an instance where I went after a really big comedian like I went after him why am I going after this guy <laughs> you know, I went after him and they're like it's time for the headliner sir why are you why are you performing? And I'm like, I don't know, this is what happened. And then, you know, that got in my head and I had to do my best thing. And I was trying to, it was a different audience than what my normal material was. I was trying to give them what they wanted and it just didn't ring true. So, you know, I didn't get booed off, but there's definitely at least two or three boos and I heard them. <laughs> uh, when you do get noticed, when, when people take notice of you for a project, whether it be stand-up or whether it be acting, what is it that you you feel that you are known for, that people feel they can get you for this specific thing? What are your strengths? My strength as a stand-up comedian? As stand-up comedian, as an actor, they kind of play into each other. Yeah, to a certain extent. I take angles on stuff. I think that, um, so yeah, you're right, they just play in. So I'll take a, a topic and I'll do, I'll do like, how do we get to the, to that thing even being a thing, you know what I mean? So, and I just go back, 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 back. So I may take a topic like, oh, you know, we're talking about uh, sex jokes and penis jokes and like size. And I'm like, go back, 
how do we even get to size? And, you know, and so I'll do it. I did have a joke about like why underwear and were invented. It was clearly by a man who was, you know, <laughs> had a very small. So, you know, I get into that and I go way back and I, you know, I'm a history buff. So I go back historically on all these things. I like to think that I'm a smart tech, quote unquote, smart comedian, but I don't know. I don't know what I'm known for, but I definitely try to get like different angles on stuff. You're also kind of a nerd too, so I've seen you at the uh, conventions. Where, yeah. Where did that love affair start with? Uh, um, and... Just just being hated as a child. No, <laughs> no, I don't know. Um, no, just you know, as a kid, you, you know, you, everyone has. I think a lot of people have that in them. So it was never it was never just jocks and nerds, mm -hmm. right? Like jocks were watching Transformers when we were kids. We were all watching the same stuff. It's just some people got like way deeper into it later on, you know. You know, some kids in high school are still like, you know, why you still have a lunchbox, bro? Like, this is who I am. Like, all right, that was never that. But I always liked this stuff. And we all liked it. We all think we all like a lot of this comic book stuff. And then um, as we got older, uh, I'm an 80s baby, so they started making it for teenagers and adults. So you get older, you don't, I, I never really got out because they kept making stuff. And it's like, we're gonna make this. And it's like, oh, this is not really for kids. I can get, I can get down with this. Um, so yeah, I mean, I just enjoy good entertainment. Like some of those things have great writing. Some of those things have great action. Um, a lot of this, like if you look at DC movies, their animated stuff is so much better. So now, I, I mean, I don't make my own costumes and I don't like, uh, I, if you go to my house, there's not a bunch of comic books there. I'm a Wikipedia comic fan. Like, oh, that character looks interesting. Let me go to Marvel Comics Wikipedia and learn about their history. And I might download a thing, a thing here or two, but uh, you know, if it's on Netflix and television and I get a chance to watch it, like I'm watching Voltron. It's dope. And that's, it's in front of me, so I'll check it out. Yeah. And I just like going to see how people, I do like seeing uh, how people uh, get into it and the, the costuming and, the artists, I love to see the artists like drawing, you know, because I'm just, I'll go and I'll buy their art because I just find it interesting they can do that. That's like a skill set I can't do. And I just find it interesting they can pull that off. So, yeah, that's where it comes from. Representation in media, what is your take on that? Representation? Representation for everybody that's not a white guy like me. <laughs> okay. Representation. Um, that is like the most, that's kind of the reason I'm into writing and acting because I grew up, you know, representation wasn't dope. It was like different strokes. Like it was like little black kids that were never gonna grow up getting adopted by rich white people. <laughs> it was like every show was about that. It's like, man, and then it was just like the Cosby's. It's like, oh, it's this one rich family, you know, somewhere in upper upstate New York, you know, but everybody else is like struggling or getting adopted by white, kid, white people. And I was like, man, that's not my experience. Uh, so representation, I think it's everything, but there's another side to it. You can't just be you can't just have representation just to have it. Like in reality, white people exist. White white men exist. There's a bunch of them. You know what I mean? So there was a Eddie Murphy movie called Boomerang, and they criticized it. They were like, "Well, that's not realistic." Um, I don't I don't even agree with that criticism because it was an advertising firm. So yeah, in the company, it was a black advertising firm. Yeah, there's not going to be a lot of white people in that black-owned advertising firm. But they had white people in there. There's this French, you know, it was like, 
it was a culture shock to white America. It's like, yo, how could this, that's not realistic. And meanwhile, you know, I'm watching shows where they're in New York, like in Queens, and there's no black people. I'm like, that's impossible. It's not imp it's impossible to not run into a Puerto Rican, a black person, <laughs> Jamaican in New York. I don't care what party in New York you're in. It's hard to not run into a Puerto Rican. So representation is everything. I always feel like if you don't see it, you don't think it's possible. And I think that's the thing that gets lost with a lot of people. They feel like, well, all these things are possible. But when, if I'm in a neighborhood and I don't ever see that and I don't get out of that neighborhood, I don't think it's possible. And especially if there's no one on television. Like one of my early jokes was about watching G.I. Joe and like trying to do Halloween costumes and I had to be roadblock because you know, <laughs> he's the only one I can identify with. And it's like, that means a lot to see yourself or your possibilities reflected. Do you think that some companies are taking it too far with uh, either gender swapping or race swapping characters just because? Or is that the only way to really make that pathway to true uh, representation? Uh, I don't think it's going too far. Um, there may be some I don't like, you know, there may be some, I can't think of anything off the top of my head where I was like, ah, I don't really like that they did that with the character. But if you look at, uh, I mean, especially comic book based stuff, those characters change all the time. They, they, they literally change all the time. And it's like, they're fictional characters. Listen, if there ends up being a Cuban Black Panther, I'm going to be mad. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be upset. And if I read it and if it's good, I'll accept it. But I'm gonna be like, man, are we really, do we really have a Polish Luke Cage? It's gonna make me mad, you know, initially. But I learned to accept it. Like they have a female Thor, I don't care that Thor is a female now, you know, it's, just, it's no big deal. But I don't think they're going too far, but I do think they are, like I said, with the comics who want to be offensive, so they try. I think they are media companies or, or producers of, of, of uh, entertainment who are like, oh, Let's make the character trans. And it's like, well, why? Well, just because, like, that's the thing. And I can't speak for a trans person, but I'd feel like, yo, like, I know when you're trying to make the character black just because you want to look good in the eyes. You know what I mean? Like, I know what I'm being placated to. So it's a problem. It's not a problem, but if, if you're placating, if you're not genuine and just you, you feel like it, the character can be anything, then you know, I have a bit of an issue with that. But if you look at auditions, like auditions should, you know, a lot of them are open. Sometimes you need an African-American, sometimes you need a Hispanic female, sometimes you need a, you know, a West Indian man um, or an Indian man. Sometimes you need that for the story. And then sometimes it's like the character could be anybody. So if the character can be anybody, then the character can be trans. Like if it's not relevant, you know, then why not? It doesn't hurt the story, so I don't see a problem with that. Uh, for those people that are looking to break into the business, whether it be through writing or stand-up or acting, what is the best advice that you could give them? Um, so figure out off top if you're going to be a hobbyist or a career person. That's the big thing. Like, are you really, really want what comes with it? Like, research what comes with it. Like research people's, everyone likes to tell stories about, you know, he went to LA and he lived in his car and he struggled and he fought and fought and fought and he finally made it. And that's what I'm going to do. Like, nah, B, a lot of people are still living in their cars. <laughs> Just like a lot of those people 
are currently working at the IRS doing your taxes for you. You're not, everybody's not getting in that car and just long as they suffer, the, people, the suffering becomes the great story. Oh, he suffered. And then look what he did, you know, but a lot of people suffer and change their mind and quit and stop or do something else. So I would say going in and figure out if you're going to be a hobbyist or do you really, really want this for a career and understand that most people are not going to make money doing it. You know, you're not you're going, most people aren't going to make a lot of money doing it. Most people are going to be hobbyists who occasionally do a commercial or occasionally do a film or occasionally get on stage. Um, so that's like a big part. And other than that, you just got to be innovative and hungry. Like you don't want to be the person who's like, uh, oh, that's what, that's what comedians are doing now to get on. Okay. Let me do that. You don't want to be the, you want to be the front of that. You want to say, okay, what can I do differently? I know there's festivals. What can I do differently at the festivals if I get in a festival that other people aren't doing that may get me somewhere? You want to be the next part of the next wave of not even just performing, just handling yourself as a business person, as an entity. So that's those are the two biggest things, I think. Be smart and just, you know, benchmark from other people, not stars. <laughs> benchmark from people who are making like 50 a year. <laughs> that's your benchmark. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, I'm on Personally, East, where, your house. My, my personal location. It's at 4293 <laughs> long, longitude, 6372 latitude. That'll put you in the ocean underneath that, at the trench, anyway. Um, now I'm on Instagram. I'm on uh, YouTube. So my, my YouTube is just my name, Tarek Lewis, T-A-R-I-K-L-E-W-I-S. Uh, my Instagram is my name is Tarek, uh, T-A-R-I-K. I'm on a, uh, Facebook, of course, Twitter. My name is Tarek on Twitter. Um, I do a podcast called Geek Culture Congress. Uh, we do that about weekly, so I'm on there all the time and um, just out and about, man.